My name is Nelson, and with me today are Schnell and Tej. Yo. Hey. Hey, fellas. <laughs> All right, so we're finally going to be doing the long and off-discussed format episode. Um, basically, what we're looking to do today is give you guys just kind of a high-level overview of the most popular formats in Magic, the most played formats, and then we're going to circle back. We're going to talk about the ones that we dislike the most and why we dislike them. Then, to send it off on a good note, we'll go over the formats we enjoy playing the most and why we enjoy playing them the most uh, and why you should, too, because, God damn it, you better listen to us. We're going to peer um, pressure the you know, hell out of you. That's right. There's nothing stronger than peer pressure, I'll tell you what. Um, and then going forward, we will break it down into, you know, um, sort of each format gets its own episode. Um, but today, we're going to give you the intro, um, the sweetness, and we're going to start with Schnell. And Schnell, you want to start us off with Standard? Sure. Standard. Welcome to Magic. Standard. <laughs> um... What would you like to talk about in Standard right now? Just a brief overview of what Standard is, the current meta, the shortcomings, the awesomenesses. Well, let's just start with uh, what Standard is and what what's uh, let's talk about what's currently legal in Standard as well. Yeah, that's what uh, I was just going to say too. Okay, right now Standard format is Ixalan, Rivals of Ixalan, Dominaria, Core Nineteen, and Guilds of Ravnica. Ooh. The current Standard grouping is a little bit confusing because they've they've decided to change the rules and then change the rules again with no clear indication of what they're going to be. Uh, going back five years ago, around that time, it was real easy. Every single time a set came out, it was a part of a block. Blocks were sets of three. And then after the second set and whatever the nearest core set was, uh, you would have rotation. So you'd always have, uh, let's see, well, you have the first block of three, the core set, so you have four sets there, and then you get five, six, seven, and then you get rotation, it drops back down to five. So you always have uh, two blocks up to the full block, and then the core set. They got rid of the sets of three and dropped it down to, well, now blocks are going to be two sets so rather than having six sets cut in half you had six sets cut into thirds and rotation was a little bit more transitional i would say so you'd only lose two sets at a time and you're getting back one to replace it and then another one to replace it and then you have a full set again and then they would get rid of two when the third one or the new one came out so they wanted it to rotate a little bit faster with a little bit more overlay to diversify the meta as they say i don't think they really did that the problem was i think kaladesh and aether revolt really really messed stuff up and honestly uh i'm i know a lot of the guys at my shop are thankful that Aether Revolt and Kaladesh are gone, and they were waiting to get back into Standard because the energy mechanic, while really cool and flavorful, really screwed up Standard. Basically, they found a way of making an additional mana source, an additional mana mechanic that no one could interact with and everyone benefited from, and it just tilted games so much in one direction or the other, it was annoying. Tej, you played the stupid uh, energy deck exponential doubler guy. You know exactly what uh, I'm yeah. talking about. Electro, electrostatic pummeler. Yeah. Was my energy deck of choice. Um, 
that was the deck that brought me back into standard because when it was first released, all the cards were super cheap. Yeah. Like I built that deck for like twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the idea was I was going to ride that out until rotation and then buy into another really cheap standard deck and just keep going like that because part of the problem with standard is the rotation. Yeah. Uh, so if you jump in right at the beginning of a set, you've got a deck, in theory, that'll last for a long time. Yeah. Um, but there was another teamer energy deck out there uh, built around that one artifact. I can't remember what it's called right now. Uh, but that was the dominating deck in standard for a long time, and it Aether ruined energy Marvel? for the rest of us. What was that? Aetherworks Marvel. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, because I ran that deck. <laughs> <laughs> I was and I was I that asshole, yeah. Sorry. I really liked my uh, my my Pummeler deck. I thought it was great. No, it was a really cool deck, and it was a pain in the ass. It was it was super glass cannony though, because it's oh, it, it, definitely definitely yeah, it's either you win with one swing or they get rid of your Pummeler, and then you just go well shit. Try to win with the backup cards. Yep, I had the Hydra thing as a backup. Which, Hydras are always fun and flavorful, and I'm glad Standard almost always includes at least a couple of Hydras. Yes. I'm a Hydra fan, too. Yeah. Hail, if you will. Hail, Hydra. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, now that uh, now that uh, Aether Revolt and Kaladesh are gone, and we lost the Hour of Devastation and Amiket, which I liked the Egyptian-themed, I, I kind of want them to eventually deal with Nicol Bolas storyline-wise and move on to like the next big bad or... I, ideally, I'd like to see more group villains. Not necessarily something as mindless as, like, Slivers being, you know, the, the main threat. But I liked Phyrexia. I thought they were cool. I don't want to see them just come back. Though I know we're going to revisit at some point. Because storyline-wise, I think Karn just took the Golgothan Silex uh, from the Antiquities War. And is going to go kick the shit out of all the Phyrexians that, you know, messed up his house. But anyway, standard right now is the sets I listed earlier, uh, Ixalan on up. And right now, the main meta, at least what I've seen, uh, boils down to about three main decks. Because Boros right now is super aggressive, super just janky, fast, hard to deal with. Um, Is it is a lot of fun. I've seen a ton of, like, and financially dirt cheap decks thrown together that can just wreck people it's it's great for newbies and then guild the, guilds came out and is it's just i mean especially is it drakes yeah um i mean it's just <clears throat> all over the place like you said it's a really low budget level and also a really quick way i mean if you if your deck doesn't play fast enough you're gonna get smoked well and the, and the nice thing about the uh red blue is it deck is a lot of it is idiot proof and super hard to deal with just because most of the, like the drakes that the uh, deck revolves around, they focus on or they power up based on stuff in your graveyard and in your exile. So with the jumpstart stuff, you're getting all the value out of your cards and you're not losing anything on your drakes. Um, Jeskai Control, though, I think is the the biggest one and the biggest issue right now because going into GP Milwaukee, everyone that I know that went down there and I was upset that I didn't get a chance to go. Uh, built built Jeskai Control to deal with the Boros decks and the Izzet decks. So now everyone has a Jeskai Control deck and some of the cards that you need for that thing, like the Teferis, are just absurdly expensive. 
Yeah, what's Teferi now? Sixty bucks a pop or something like that? I mean, basically yeah, 50, he took fifty to sixty. I think was TCG mid last time I checked. Yeah, he took over that Karn price slot. Like when Dominaria came out, Karn was like the card, and then all of a sudden everybody started running Teferi well, and control decks. I, and now there was a lot of there was a lot of hype about Karn, but in standard right now he's not really utilized i mean there's not a ton dominaria and corset 19 had a lot of like artifact synergy but nothing super competitive so karn karn was neat but doesn't really see play now i think he's showing up in uh a couple of legacy decks and he's really starting to find a home there and that's been bringing his price back up a little bit but yeah teferi and then to a lesser extent uh, Rel Zarek Viceroy for the uh, Jeskai Control decks have been... I hear you typing. I'm assuming you're looking up the card. Um, those have been like the key Planeswalkers in Standard right now. Um, Golgari, to a less, lesser extent, is, I would say, the fourth main structure deck or uh, meta deck right now. But Golgari was the front runner on, like, Spoilers Week. Because everyone saw Assassin's Trophy, everyone saw Vraska, and everyone's just like, oh my god, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. Well, that Vraska's a four drop. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's but, insane. Vraska's got a lot of love right now, because I think there's three different versions of her in Standard. Between the uh, yeah, because there's deck, the one, yeah, the yep. Guild's version, and then her Ixalan pirate. Her pirate, yeah. Pirates. Yeah, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Um, I'm actually running... I have a, a Golgari... Uh, Vraska deck on Arena right now that I'm running. Yeah, um, um, and well, that's with the not that's with the good Planeswalker, not the shitty like seven <laughs> drop <laughs> that takes forever and a week to get out. I was gonna say, and if you want to get into Arena just based on like what I've played, because uh, I I haven't sat and just grinded enough to get all the cards I want. I've got a moderately successful uh, red black deck that is just annoying to deal with. With uh, Plague Crafters and Vicious Rumors, and then um, the three red spell that you can have, or an opponent chooses to take four damage or draw three. Yeah, cards. Risk Factor. Risk Factor, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, I've played against your red black deck, and it sucks. I mean, it's great. I just it's annoying to play yeah. against. Like between you said. between all between all the removal and my set of uh, rekindling phoenixes. It's a pain in the ass to deal with because there's so much just like, oh, yep, you killed the Phoenix, but if you don't save another kill spell or another trick to get rid of it, I'm getting it right back. And the deck has so much card advantage, which you don't see a lot in red and black, especially in standard formats. Right, that's a blue thing. Yeah. So I haven't gone into the like the competitive level arena stuff yet, so I'm not sure if the meta is mimicking any of the you know paper and table version of the game, but... Um, I had to sell off finally parts of my what I've been calling mono green five color where the deck revolves around stuff like um, Guild Sentry the guy who it's uh, it's like starburst with plus one plus one counters and you can pay and remove them to shoot stuff but I run one yeah, of each one that's of each... annoying to play against too <laughs> <laughs> well I run one of each guild gate circuitous routes um, wayward sword tooths so I can pump out extra lands each turn and I finally gotten to the point now where at my shop people have started to buy up those cards 
and anytime I run out of run out of stuff, I'll just take it for my personal stuff if I'm not playing it. So my mono green five color is currently decimated from people buying things, and I am working on just retooling Golgari because I've got an abundance of, like I said, the Assassin's trophies. Uh, I got a couple of the Varaskas that nobody's using right now. Uh, overgrown tombs, I had like twelve of in the case, so I'm like nobody's gonna miss a playset. And worst case scenario, people see, oh, maybe I can run a Golgari deck, and then I have to sell those cards to those people. So it's a win-win. I get to pl- I get to play games, and then eventually sell the cards to people and fund my other <laughs> stupid games. <laughs> Pay your mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're working on that part. Yeah, but no, honestly, I I've I've never gone super competitive in standard myself, but I always like and appreciate standard as a format, just because everyone bitches that standard is the most expensive format because of rotation but overall if you look at like everyone's like oh no go play modern it's an eternal format it's much cheaper no one deck will cost you more and the whole well once you have a deck you're done is garbage nobody ever just plays one modern deck well, and it's not that fun. I mean, that's how the game gets stale. Yeah, you are you are tricking yourself into going, yeah, I'll never get bored with this exact combination of 60 cards and a 15-card sideboard, so I'm going to save money this way. No, you're going to spend more on a deck in Modern than you will on Standard. The cards will keep most of their value unless something gets banned, but then you're going to end up getting bored and then trying to trade or sell off your stuff for another absurdly expensive deck. Where dropping like two or three hundred dollars for a high-end standard deck right now is not as bad as you know spending a grand on a modern deck that in six months you go, eh, maybe I want to try Storm. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Which actually, I had a guy today just go in the opposite direction. He he traded in the Storm deck that he built like three three or four weeks ago for modern, and it was like, yeah everyone's now sideboarding against storm and i'm tired of seeing seeing uh damping spheres and fluster storms just wreck my wreck my archetype so i don't know that's that's my spiel on standard unless you want to hear about sideboards and comparison to modern <laughs> no i think that's a good a good overview of it i think that's a a good place to transition so that brings us to our next format. Uh, we are going to talk a little EDH. And Tej, you are the king of EDH. Um, I don't think I've ever beaten you, or been in a game where you've been knocked out um, without. You know, you you win every game of EDH I've ever been a part of. Even the ones you're not playing in, you still beat me. So uh, we're going to have you talk about EDH. That's just a bold faced lie right there. No, it's true. We have. We have, like, two recorded podcasts at least where I don't win at EDH. Oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. You're right, because you were playing Dragons, and uh, I think, think, and I was playing Vampires, and I think I actually did outlast you that one. That was the one where it came down to to, um, Junior and Schnell, and it looked like Junior was going to run away with it, and Schnell had a board wipe, and then just... I like yeah, cats, just ripped his heart out. Cats bounce back from you know that's what that's where the whole spay and neuter goddamn cats thing came from. Cats bounce back from a board <laughs> that's, that's right. So yeah, no, you're right. It is it is a bold faced lie. Um, I'll admit to that now because I forgot. Uh, you have lost before, but you're still going to talk about EDH. Yeah. <laughs> nope. If he's not undefeated, I don't want to listen to it. <laughs> he doesn't know anything. <laughs> he sits on a throne game. of lies. Uh, EDH stands for Elder Dragon Highlander. 
uh, or as it's also known today, Commander. Hey! Yay! Uh, Commander is probably my favorite format. Um, it's way up there with, uh, with drafting, with limited. Um, but the way it works, uh, differently than standard or modern or other formats, instead of having a 60-card deck, you have a 100-card deck. Um, as opposed to other formats where you can use as many cards as you want, but you have a minimum in Commander, you have to have 100 cards, no more, no less. Uh, every deck is helmed by a legendary creature, or sometimes two legendary creatures, if you're playing with the partner mechanic, or even maybe a Planeswalker, if the Planeswalker specifically says it can be your Commander. Your deck-building you restrictions are... What was that? Or two Planeswalkers, if you have the partner Planeswalkers. I yeah, ah, battle bond. I don't remember if they did that or not, but yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, Will and Rowan Kenrith. I haven't played with any partners yet, Planeswalker or otherwise. Um, but anyway, uh, deck building restrictions. There is a there is a suggested ban list. I should say it's not uh, it's not an official format uh, supported by Wizards a hundred percent. Uh, uh, so you can release. you can play DCI sanctioned commander and EDH games though. Then it must be. Yeah. Then it must be by now. Um, but there is a but Wizards is not in charge of it. There is a there is a rules committee uh, that consists of judges that created the game, and Wizards has more or less left them in charge of the rules and the ban list and everything. So there is a a ban list. Um, which is actually pretty cool, considering Wizards makes Commander-specific product, but, you know, readily admits and is willing to kind of back off um, that part of the format. Yeah. You know, it's um, kind of cool. I think I think the uh, there needs to be a little bit more communication between Wizards and the Rules Committee, but that's a different topic for a different day. True. Uh, but more or less, uh, it's heading in the right direction. As far as I can say. Um, in addition to a ban list, though, you are restricted to playing only the colors that your commander is, either in its mana cost or its color identity, which is any colored mana symbol found on the card in its rules text. So if I have a Boros commander, I am not allowed to play green or blue or black cards in that deck. But I can play artifacts as long as the artifacts are colorless. Uh, it is a singleton format. You can only play one copy of any card that is not a basic land. Um, players will start at 40 life as opposed to 20 life. Uh, and if you are dealt 21 or more damage by anyone's commander, you will automatically lose the game, regardless of your life total. So that's just a basic breakdown of EDH, of commander. Um, I, for one, think it's a very healthy format. It's very casual, right? So um, you have people of all walks of life and all skill levels playing the game. So you have your super competitive side. You have your super casual side. And then anything in between. Yeah, kind so of that always, happy medium. Yeah, you can always find, you can always find someone uh, who wants to play the type of EDH game that you want to play. 
EDH is, in my opinion, most fun when there are between four and five players. Um, games with more than five usually tend to take pretty long, um, and less than four tends to uh, just be not as fun. A big part of EDH uh, is politics, and when the fewer people you have, the fewer people you can politic with. Uh, but that's part of the fun, in my opinion, is the politicking. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's it's an eternal format, which means that there's not going to be any rotation. Um, which is nice. So anybody can play from any point of the game, basically. You know, um, if you've been playing for 20 years, you can use anything you want. If you just got started with, say, the Commander 2018 pre-con product, well, hey, look at that. You've already got decks made and you're you're ready to go, you know? So um, that's re- one really nice thing, and that's kind of one of the appeals of the format, too. And EDH is not necessarily a format for people just getting into the game. Uh, there's steps you should take with, like, the little dinky intro decks, right, uh, to help them learn the rules of the game and then maybe move on to some... 60 card pre-constructed decks like the dual decks uh which they're not making anymore but they do like two player starter kits or something like that right those are things uh yeah yeah they've got uh like the spell slingers uh the spell slingers set that was um specifically designed for new players like literally out of the box or out of the packaging because it's a it's more of a blister they tell you not to shuffle the decks you are supposed to set them in front of you, draw your opening hands, and follow through on a little booklet that will walk you through a like demo game, which is a really neat concept of like it's a, a very box tutorial. Yeah, they they tried to they try to take that uh, like arena tutorial or the old school Magic uh, Duels of the Planeswalkers demo and put it in a box set, and it kind of works. So, yes, huh. I didn't realize that they tooled it like that specific for the first game. That's yep, that's awesome for. For new players, or even, you know, say for you in your store setting, when you've got people who are new to the game and want to learn it, it's really easy for you to teach from that kind of um, structured, you know, uh, way of doing it. Yeah. That's cool. Um, But yeah, that that actually goes right into the point I was making here is... um, while EDH is not the best format to get new players into, there are other things you can do to help them learn the game uh, in addition to the little dinky starter decks is the pre-cons, like the, the dual decks or the starter thing we were just talking about. Um, but the problem with pre-cons, even like the the uh, neat guilds ones that just came out with the, with the new Guilds of Ravnica set, is they're not format-specific. They include some standard cards and some modern cards, but they also include some from older sets. And uh, if you're looking to get someone into playing Magic where they need they want to play only standard or only modern, these pre-cons aren't the best way to go about it because you're not going to get like an actual deck you can sit down and play in one of these tournaments in, right? But that's where EDH comes in. All the EDH pre-con decks are legal forever unless something happens uh, and a card or two gets banned within the deck, in which case it's easy to replace that. But you can give any player who's got the grasp of magic and wants to play EDH, EDH this precon right here, and 
if you never change anything in this deck, it's still going to be decent. You're still going to be able to get a good game out of it. Um, and that's a really big draw to people who want to play EDH. Like uh, we were saying before about Standard, I played Standard for a while and then took off for a number of years and then tried to get back into Standard a few years ago. Um, and I played Standard almost every single week with my, uh, uh, with my energy deck. And then they banned a couple cards in it, and it just completely destroyed the deck that I have. And those weren't cards that were easy to replace because they weren't energy-specific, and the deck just just did not function anymore. And I stopped playing Standard again after that. Um, now, we had some issues a few years ago with just banning everything every other week, and that kind of turns people off yeah. from stuff. Uh, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I literally... When I decided to get into or back into standard around that time, I'm like, well, I don't, I don't have time to like play test and figure stuff out. I just want to build a deck and get going. So I net deck. Yep. I'm like, okay, what's what's a good deck? And I built that friggin' uh, uh, cheat cheat out a uh, Eldrazi with an energy card, and I played that deck one FNM and and I I played it for one tournament and I won FNM with it. And then they banned it the next week, and I'm like, God damn it! So I changed up the deck, and I'm like, Okay, I'll do the uh, I'll do the other one. And after a couple of weeks, I got it all put together, and I played that one, and I won. And then they banned the friggin' Sahili Cat combo thing, or whatever order it happened in. But it was literally I won the tournament, and then they banned my deck, and yep. it happened twice in a row, and that kind of soured me a little bit for standard, but I'm I'm still into it, so. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the point was, a, a big draw of EDH is you get one of these pre-cons. If you never alter it, you're going to be fine. And then if you want to alter it, you can do it little by little. EDH, uh, because of the pre-cons, is super cheap to get into, despite what other people might have you believe, because of the pre-con. Um, and if you don't have a big budget, you know, uh, buy a precon or two, or buy the one precon, and then every once in a while, throw a new card in there, or a couple cards, and eventually you're going to get, build, like, a really good deck that you're most likely going to be happy with. Um, so, uh, what else should we discuss about EDH? I don't know, I think that was a good... Uh, a good overview of it right i mean i don't really feel that we missed anything um and this i mean i guess we could talk about in a more in-depth episode into edh but i was thinking when you were talking about how you know it might not be the best format for new players to introduce to um i i I was thinking about it and i thought man out of all the pre-constructed product where it's like here's a here's an already built deck let's jump in and play i think the the last thing even though i enjoy all four decks uh it would be the 2017 um pre-cons just because eminence is so different than anything else in magic you know that that ability um specifically with say edgar markov uh you know probably not the best way for someone to learn because you know, if they're brand new to the game, because then they're looking at it going, well, why doesn't everybody get to do that? <laughs> you know, you know, um, since Eminence was kind of its own thing. I think it works for that that set of cards. Um, but again, if you're talking about where to bring new players in, that's probably the last place I'd bring him in. Yeah, personally, I think Eminence is a little bit too strong just because it's 
hey, I now get to start the game with an effect without having to spend any mana to get the effect. It's just by a deck construction choice. Granted, it's not I a huge it- game changer, but it is fundamentally more powerful than anything else in the game just because it's, yes, you don't have to spend any mana, no no requirements in gameplay are required to get the benefits of those cards. Well, it's almost like playing EDH and playing a white deck and your first turn, you know, or I guess any deck because it doesn't have to just be white, but yeah, you like know, getting play, a play, line? No, I was going to say, well, Leyline or even, I mean, it's banned now, but before it was banned, get it, you know, playing a Caracas on turn one. Look, now you can't even play your commander because I'm just going to get rid of it as soon as you, you know. See, but that um, requires you drawing it in your opening hand and actually playing it. And well, even, right. Eminence even, starts on the board. Right. Yes. Right. And even if you had, like, used a Leyline saying, you know, yeah, I get this for free at the start of the game, that still takes up a card slot in your opening hand and it has to be in your opening hand. So it's the luck of the draw. It's not a guaranteed thing. And it chews up a spot. You're technically down a card to offset the whole, yeah, I start with this in play. True. True. Um, I guess, though, that's a good segue into our next format, which is Brawl, which is basically, if you want a definition... Because uh, we're fighting, let's talk about Brawl. <laughs> right? Um, is is EDH light? Um I guess is how I would, you know, Commander Light. Um, Basically, it's kind of if you took elements of standard and if you took elements of um, EDH and you kind of put them together, uh, you would have Brawl. So Brawl, like EDH, is uh, Singleton, and it's led by a legendary creature uh, or a Planeswalker from the standard card pool. Um, but instead of a hundred card singleton, this is a, a sixty card singleton, um, and obviously your your general counts towards that sixty card limit. Uh, and once again, this is a you can have only one copy of any card other than basic lands. Um, and again, like Teach said for EDH, the color identity of all cards half has uh, of all cards in the deck has to fall within the color identity um, of the general that's leading your deck. Um, so. I, I don't I guess there's not a, a ton to say I guess you know so commander you start with 40 life in brawl you're starting with 30 um, unless you're playing two player then they have the rules tweaked for you to start at 25 um, the commanders all start in the command zone and then just like regular commander if your commander is recast you do pay the same com- uh, commander text um, like you do uh, did I just say commander text Okay, I meant commander tax. It's talking too fast here. Uh, that that you would um, in EDH. So <laughs> we're uh, talking out of a, a Google Drive, and I'm just reading the messages Schnell's typing to me um, as I'm talking. But anyway, so there's not a whole lot to say, I guess. Uh, it isn't the amount of commander damage is different in Brawl, right? Isn't it? Le- it's not 21. I mean, is it 12? I don't remember. Uh, it's, I, I don't think I've ever actually played a game of Brawl. I started building a deck, and then nobody else did. Yeah, well, and that was kind of where I was going to transition with it is there's not much more to say because Brawl never took off. I think the way 
that Wizards wanted it to. I remember when Dominaria was released um, and Wizards is kind of doing all the the promotional stuff uh, to pump up a set in its release. I remember when the article from uh, Gavin Verhey came out about Brawl and it was just like this, oh my God, we're so excited. This format's going to take the world by storm. It's going to be so great. We're so happy we took EDH and we made it even better. And I read about it and I'm like, this kind of sucks. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, it seems like unnecessary constraints on what's really fun and meant to be played as an eternal format. I, I don't want to knock it. I've, I, I brewed a deck for it, um, with fire song and Sunspeaker when Dominaria came out just cause I was like, Oh, I want something in case anybody wants to play, but then nobody wanted to play. Um, it's an interesting format, but I don't think it's any, I don't think it's more exciting than EDH and, I guess when it comes down to it, I'd rather just sit down and play EDH than Brawl. But that that's just me personally. Um, so neither of no, you guys... It's it's a lot of people, actually. <laughs> it's not just you. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally right. I mean, that seems to be the general consensus. Um, and I just... I know Magic players get a rap for being elitist and, you know, oh, we don't like change or we don't want this or we don't want that, you know, whatever. Um, but... Brawl as a format just never really spoke to me. Um, I just didn't really care enough, I guess, uh, is how I would put it. Um, so, and, and like I was saying, you guys, neither of you ever played, right? I started building a deck, and like I said, I didn't have anyone who wanted to also build a Brawl deck. Or, like, even the people who were considering it never got around to it, and then we lost interest. Like, it wasn't like, oh, hey, did you finish your Brawl deck? It was... Well, I don't have one now, and then we never talked about it again. That's exactly what happened with me, is I considered it uh, and never built it. I think the 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 idea of a 60-card singleton deck is fine, um, but the problem I have with it is they planned on having it rotate. Right, that, and that's kind of my thing, too, is it's... I'm fine with a 60-card singleton deck, uh, but I don't like that it's only with standard cards. I mean, if they wanted to build it and say, hey, anything that's legal and modern, I could I could get behind just because it's a bigger selection of cards. But, like, your deck's constantly going to be changing because just like we talked about when we talked about standard, shit's always going to be rotating out of it. And what works in the beginning might not work, you know, in the next rotation and i get you know having to change with the meta but if you're already doing that because you're playing competitive standard to me brawl is nothing more than a casual format and i don't want to put that much effort into casual i want to have fun you know what i mean filthy casual (laughs) right exactly look at me being all elitist and not wanting the casuals um no i i like i love casual that's i mean i play casual edh and i I love it so much, but the there's too much restriction, I think, on, on Brawl, um, having it be standard legal only, and that's kind of why I shy away from it. And it sounds like that's kind of why a lot of people shy away from it. Yeah, so Brawl's dead, just like that conversation. Um, yeah, no, that's that's how <laughs> Brawl went. It's like a, a, lot, a lot of buildup and then some kerfuffle and then it's just awkward pause. <laughs> just awkward go. pause. Um, we're definitely leaving that in there because that transition couldn't have worked more perfectly. <laughs> uh, so now let's go to something that's a little more fun to talk about. Chanel, tell us about Modern. Tiny leaders? <laughs> oh my god, Modern. Okay, 
Uh, <laughs> that's it. Modern uh, is as because I. On a daily basis, I usually have to explain to people what's modern legal, what's not modern legal. I like the simple explanation of modern legal cards are the cards that look modern compared to the old cards. Now, (laughs) (laughs) but I mean, like, yes, that's a stupid explanation, and there's tons of exceptions to it, thanks to, you know. good explanation. Yeah, but... Well, anytime there's dual decks, though, they have reprints of old cards and the no, dual deck right. versions don't count. And there's always some kid who has like, oh, I have this one in my modern deck. Is this legal because it has the border? No, this is out of the Jace versus Chandra dual deck and it's not legal. I'm sorry. And then he gets pissed off at me. But modern is anything 8th edition or Mirrodin on up. And it it is a pretty diverse format, I would say. There's probably, well, even even in our local meta, like eight to ten different decks that float around, which is which is pretty good. Um, there's lots of fun things you can do in modern. My absolute favorite, and I've, I, I'm probably a big problem in the local meta just because I have my modern mill deck, and I love mill. It's blue black, and I have been tweaking. Uh, I whistled there. I've been tweaking this thing and tinkering with it and adjusting it for the last like five or six years and it is super annoying uh i i play the deck not to win but to punish people who play combo decks it's i'm not going to win overall but i'm going to watch you cry when i get rid (laughs) of your primeval titan and your amulet titan deck no longer works because you relied on two cards in you know in in combination with each other and yep you don't get those and because of this i have three or four players on my store who are building modern decks or working on or tweaking or running modern decks that are all different versions of mill one of them is a combination mill where uh uh it's blasting chamber and malira and i think kitchen finks and something else it's some it's some combo thing that he has like the option to mill or infinite damage or whatever but again i can turn zero you crack a fetch you search for your land you put it into play i then in response make you mill 13 cards because you've activated my archive trap and then i pay two life and surgically extract one of your combo pieces from your entire deck good game And then they just sit there with uh, that Pikachu meme that's going around right now, just <laughs> yeah, looking just at you like, that, like huh? what, what just <laughs> happened? I just, uh, speaking of that Pikachu meme, I just saw one that was like, community, all right, we're going to invent a meme with a Gen 1 Pokemon that's got a confused look on its face, and then Magikarp, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> community. We're going with Pikachu. <laughs> and then, like, a Magikarp picture with his mouth open. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. I like that. Yes. Um, but no, I, I do need to point out a game I played the other day, though, because I will I will loan my decks out to people. I've got, uh, in my personal collection, I have a what started out as sort of a Jund creature aggro. Um, it, it evolved into a five-color monstrosity. That runs like a playset of Noble Hierarchs and a playset of Birds of Paradise and Tarmogoyfs and all the fetches, but then a bunch of goofy one ofs in different colors that are all situational and fun. Um, like, 
there's a butcher something. It's a black card out of uh, Fate Reforged that anytime any of your creatures attack, they automatically deal a point of damage to the the opponent. And like that thing's fantastic. When I fill the board with just dumb mana dorks, and then I end up swinging for lethal with it. Um, but I've got that one. I've got my mill deck. I've got Hardened Scales Affinity, which is a great glass cannon with a few extra outs now that I've been tinkering with that one. Uh, I've got Burn, and I loaned out my mill deck to somebody, and then I ended up playing in FNM, uh, running my uh, Burn deck, because we had an odd number, and I hate running events with odd number of players, so I'll jump in and you know play until somebody drops. And I did the thing where I went turn one, uh, play a fetch land, crack it, get my get my basic mountain to thin the deck out, and then he goes, "Who's Schnell?" And I go, "What? I have I have two archive traps." Like, oh my god! <laughs> so I, so I started with half a deck because I milled twenty six before his first turn. <laughs> like, is this what I've been doing to people? So this am is what I it feels a, like. Am I a bad person? <laughs> You became the Pikachu. It was oh inside you the God, whole time. It was so. It was just so fun and like frustrating at the same time. Like I should have. I should have ran my Tron or my Eldrazi Tron and just went fine. I'll just keep shuffling everything back in. Um, but that brings me to my my complaint about modern. As much as I love modern and all the weird like homebrews can do fantastic in modern because there are so many options and it being an eternal format minus the you know i would say the ban rotation where they just like hey we're gonna ban this and uh no you can have bloodbraid elf again and no you can't have deathrite shaman anymore um there are a ton of goofy homebrew one-off decks that can do fantastic and completely like mess with people and then they start getting absorbed into the meta and like everything keeps changing despite the you know lack of modern focused cards being made which is kind of cool but a lot of the format can devolve into does your sideboard specifically stop what you're playing against and there are a couple of issues i've had with players complaining that okay well like for mill if i don't have the you know hundred dollars for a place set of ley lines of sanctity to sideboard in they can't stop it or hey they sideboarded in the ley lines what do i sideboard in in mill to either like destroy the enchantment or my answer is usually to swap in my sideboard has uh cyclonic rifts and there's some uh death touch eldrazi thing that's blue black that can kind of mill but I switch more to like creature aggro and removal base rather than just trying to like straight out mill them. But a lot of the format just boils down to do you have the exact sideboard cards you need to deal with this threat that your deck isn't tailored towards? And because it's so sideboard heavy and there's 15 slots, it becomes incredibly difficult and it feels like you're building a deck with just fewer and fewer options and super restrictive. And those sideboard cards can end up costing as much as a standard deck by themselves for a 15-card pile of things you might need. And I guess that's kind of like the... I don't want to say one of the drawbacks, but one of the barriers, I suppose, well, for some people into modern is price point. You every, know? every format's going to have its drawbacks and its barriers. It's, it's just the financial issue of, yeah, your, your sideboard's going to cost an extra two hundred dollars on top of the six to eight hundred you've already spent on the deck 
or you can just, oh, I'm going to go cheap and not run the sideboard, which I'll admit, my Hardened Scales deck, I never bothered to build a sideboard. I don't care. Either I win with it or I have fun with it, and either way, I don't care that you keep popping my artifacts because I can do neat little tricks of sacrificing everything to Arcbound Ravager and then sacrificing himself and throwing everything over to Walking Ballista and just shoot you in the face a bunch before, you know, my board gets wiped, but I... I play more to just screw with people and have fun and not to win tournaments, but definitely that sideboard thing is becoming more and more of an issue, and it might just be a local thing, I don't know, but I do I do know that overall Wisconsin does have a lot of really good Magic players, so yeah. there are there are factors that, yes, even when it's something that seems goofy and local, it does have wider implications because of the, I'll say, quality of our player base. I'm I'm proud of the Wisconsin Magic community. We got some good nerds. We do. We got some good ones. Yeah. Well, when you're when you're relegated to sitting indoors half the year, drinking, drinking beer and games. eating cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's how we do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean regulated? <laughs> we we get we choose. To. <laughs> we get to. Yeah, like that. Re- relegated. I said not regulated. Oh, what'd I say? You said regulated. Oh. Like the goddamn DNR shows up and be like, hey, have you met your beer quota for the week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to need to see it's your permit, It's Monday, son. you son of a bitch. Have you met your ugly quota? <laughs> twice <laughs> twice this morning. I met um, the DNR guy. It was not you. Oh, okay. <laughs> you're, you're adorable. Oh, you got yeah but no i i like modern it's just a pain in the ass to get into financially but being in eternal format it is great because until your deck gets hit with the all-powerful banhammer, your cards shouldn't lose value and the deck shouldn't lose playability it's just keep an eye out for standard and see what what's showing up there because like arclight phoenix it used to be like a two or three dollar nothing card because it was like, oh, it's a dumb phoenix that just keeps coming back. And now there's a modern build around it. And it's already, like, last I checked, TCG mid was, like, $27 on it. That phoenix shot up. Yeah. Yeah, I I was watching. Um, I have my collection on an online tracker. And I was on there looking for a certain card one day. And I noticed that, like, my guild's value had changed overnight by, like, 20 bucks or something stupid. And I went and I looked. And I... The first thing I noticed was that Assassin's Trophy fell by like half and then Doom Whisper shot up. But the thing that really caught my eye was that, like you said, it's almost 30 bucks now for uh, for the Phoenix. And I was like, oh, sweet, I cracked one of those. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hang on to that. <laughs> this thing's going to hang on to value for a while. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm working on... Um, I'm working on a mono black devotion modern build. It's going to be my first foray into modern. Um, it's a it's a budget build. I'm trying to keep it right around, I'd say like a hundred to a hundred and twenty twenty five dollars, something like that. Um, so it's not you know it's not going to be a uh, what do I want to say like a a world breaker or anything like that. Oh but, yeah, but you know, but that's um, the thing. I'm hoping can, it's at least somewhat competitive. You can have a lot of fun in modern for really cheap. Right, and you might. Yeah, you might not break into, you know, the MTG Goldfish, you know, top 10 meta or whatever, but uh, I know one of the guys at my shop is working on putting back together his mono black 
just hand destruction, creature destruction, super annoying control deck. And that thing is dirt cheap, and I've played it in the past with really high-end decks, and he has kicked my ass. His Wincon is a card that was originally printed in Urza Saga, I think, that uh, just deals damage equal to the number of swamps he controls. Yeah, so I... I... <sighs> It wasn't considered, I mean, I guess it technically could have been considered modern at the time, but um, back when, God, what was it? Was it Scars of Mirrodin? I don't remember now. I'm having a total brain fart. What set was Quest for the Nile Stone in? Anybody uh, remember off the top of their head? Scars of Mirrodin? Okay, so I was right. It was Scars. Okay. So or I'll, I'll, I, say I had M- a, I'll say M25 because I'm pretty sure it was reprinted there. <laughs> um, Because... I, I was running a discard deck with like, you know, Duress and Mind Ravel and then Liliana's Caress and Megram and then Quest for the Nile Stone. And that one was, it wasn't, again, it wasn't like a, 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 a complete game changing, you know, world breaking, whatever, but God, it was a ton of fun because no one could hold a hand. And then once I got the Liliana's Caress and the Megrams out, they were taking at least four damage every time they had to discard and they couldn't get anything going because they were always discarding at least two cards every time I could cast a sorcery. So that one was just a, it was just like a kind of a, a disruption, um, ton of fun deck that I love yeah. to run. Uh, I, I, I looked it up and I remember the card just... now. Oh, sorry? Oh, I was just going to say, my modern deck is a mono-red burn deck. There you go. Yeah. Cheap creatures, cheap burn spells. Uh, cost a couple bucks to get in because some of those cards aren't cheap, but... I mean, it's complete and it's not going anywhere. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, corrupt. One black oh. and five generic sorcery. Deals damage equal to the number of swamps you control to target creature or player. You gain life equal to the equal damage to dealt yep. this way. I had a um, that I had Soren thing, Markov black thing uh, vampires deck. Games. Yep, yep. I loved that. I used to run corrupt with uh, tendrils of corruption. Um, <laughs> yeah. In a like I said, a, a Mar- uh, vampire deck that was built around Soren Markov, and God, that that was a ton of fun because it was yeah. so. It was almost like a white life gain deck at that point because you could just, I mean, stupid life. In, in you know which is fun in black <laughs> how'd you get the title of my autobiography stupid <laughs> life <laughs> um plagiarism there we go uh so yeah modern modern right now i would say healthy format the the sideboard thing is an issue but it's a financial issue not a gameplay issue yeah i would agree with that yeah so um so yeah, let's go to uh, let's go to Legacy next. Teej. Legacy. Tell us about Legacy. Let me learn about Legacy. <laughs> uh, no, actually, I've never played Legacy before. Um, Should death try. and taxes is hard to run. It yeah, is. I I have two Legacy decks right now. I've got Mono Red Burn because. Burn is always available in all formats, and it's always like the cheapest because nobody cares. Um, my so that was my first legacy deck, and no no dual lands that makes it real real nice. Uh, Death and Taxes is a black white kind of controly deck, and the most expensive cards in there land wise boils down to I believe it runs Wastelands, Rishidan Ports, uh, and Caracases. Nice. Yeah, I don't. I don't like playing it because I don't play enough Legacy. 
And it's one of those stupid things where I just need to bite the bullet and just start grinding legacy games and learning the meta more because legacy is all about knowing what your opponent is going to do and knowing the meta because most of it comes down to the exact countering of what your opponent is trying to combo off with or denying them the exact resource they need for their deck to win and death and taxes is all about land destruction creatures uh making all of their creatures come into play tapped and just slowing them down and bouncing back like the caracas is just there to deal with the uh gorio's vengeance through the breach uh grizzlebrand deck or emrakul through the breach that thing is just a pain in the ass to deal with if you can't answer it because they're hitting you for so much or they're getting so much card advantage off of Grizzlebrand. So being able to just immediately respond and you know get rid of it with Caracas is huge, but you have to decide when to play those lands, when to destroy their resources, and when to just control the board. Yeah. Like I said, I've never played Legacy. That oh. all sounds well. And I mean, awesome. if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> Legacy and Vintage are very similar. It's just isn't the doesn't the difference lie in like what's banned versus what's restricted? Yeah, uh, Vintage yeah. allow Vintage is the Power Nine is restricted. You can you can play it, and you have to. Right. Ex- yeah, you're not gonna right, yeah. you're not gonna last if you don't. Yeah. Legacy is you don't you don't have to worry about the power, but you have to worry about the goddamn dual lands, and the dual lands are like the cost of a modern deck just for your mana base. Right, and I yeah. mean everything except for silver bordered sets are legal, right? Uh, um, because you can even play. You, I mean, you can play like cards that come out of the in the commander product. Oh you can yeah, play cards oh, yeah. from conspiracy. Containment, Containment priest was just reprinted in Ultimate Masters because it's a uh, right. Yep, it's yep. a it's a legacy. I don't want to say legacy staple, but it is a fantastic legacy card that again, like it goes in the Death and Taxes deck, and it can go in others. But just to control the board and stop the stupidly powerful combinations of sneaking things out it's also super annoying to play in the limited format we're running at the store of ultimate masters league where you got three bo- uh three boosters of ultimate masters and you build a 30 card deck and start playing best of one games and my deck was all about uh, persist triggers which container priest says yeah no they die <laughs> they get exiled and yep, you don't get ya. them back ever so that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean that's that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, you guys did my section for me. Well, I mean, we kind of combined legacy and vintage into one. It's, it's it is what it is. It's like the super. I mean, you want to talk about modern being a money format? Those are even more so, especially vintage, because like we were saying, you you have to have power nine cards. Or yeah, I mean you're. It don't even and sit down there, at the table. There are vintage like it's not uncommon for vintage uh, events to allow proxies, right? Just because for yeah, that reason, you do need to have the power nine. Um, but I think legacy and vintage, they're they're okay formats. They don't oh, yeah. change. They don't change as much as as modern. Certainly, no nowhere near as close to standard. Just because. To be powerful enough or game-changing enough to get back that far, those cards almost never make it through R&D and into Standard. Like, Containment Priest was originally a Commander card... No, a Conspiracy card. 
Yep. Commander. Which was no yeah, commander. Yeah. 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 Was it commander? I thought it. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. I'm I'm thinking of uh, Leovold and the other white one, uh, the tutor, the creature that tutors for two. Oh, recruitment guard. Yes. That's it. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, recruiter. Um. Yeah, stuff like that where it's. It doesn't matter where it's printed. If mag- if Wizards makes it, it's you know vintage legacy legal legal, and those cards go through less rigorous, I would say controls, because they're aimed at like draft formats or EDH. Yep. Yeah. It's filthy casuals. Filthy casuals. <laughs> hey, I am a those super peasants. filthy casual. <laughs> I have. I have a, I have a decent amount of what you know what people consider money cards, but I am dirt poor, so don't don't confuse the two. No. I uh, I got a demonic tutor box topper, so that's about where my value tops off. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing old and valuable anymore. Um, it's funny though that we should talk, go from talking about um, vintage and legacy, and I, I suppose modern too, and how much money you have to invest into that, um, because the next thing we're going to cover is popper. <laughs> <laughs> it's a kind of a that's sweet, 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 smooth transition. Um, yeah. Chanel, tell us about popper. Uh, should I read my note or discuss the format more? Uh, why don't you throw your note in there too? Because I I get it, <laughs> but I also play it, so I feel personally attacked. <laughs> no, that's fair. My my note. My note is, Pauper is for assholes. And the reason why uh, I I put that is because, again, a local meta thing. um, Pauper is basically like Legacy Light because anything goes with the exception of cards that obviously aren't uncommon or rare. Or Mythics, but Mythic Rare is the same thing. Um, But it's, yeah, commons only. And anything goes. It's not a singleton format. Because of that, because everything is allowed, it's you know like a vintage, like a legacy, uh, eternal format. But the the appeal is, oh, they're just commons. They should be cheap. There are still super expensive commons because of Pauper, because of the popularity of Pauper, and it's not something that Wizards even came up with. It was something from MTGO, uh, the Magic the Gathering Online, for those who don't know the MTGO abbreviation. Um, So Wizards doesn't support it. I have talked with a Wizards sales rep specifically asking if they ever intended on doing it. And his answer was something along the lines of, well, no, because they're trying to help game stores, despite what they're doing that seems to the contrary. They're trying to help game stores overall with the, the Wizards Play Network stuff and organized play. And Pauper requires stores to have single coll- or singles collections that go all the way back to Alpha and Beta in some instances. Just because of the cards that are good in Pauper. And they don't want to put that sort of strain on a new game store or that sort of responsibility of, hey, if you want to open a business, you have to have stuff going all the way back to day one magic just so that players can come in and rifle through for 15 cents worth of cards and take up two hours of your time finding all of this crap. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, and I've again, never as, really thought of it like that before. Yeah, and as somebody who has spent two hours rummaging through boxes 
helping people build decks only to have the till say, oh, you owe me $12 for all of this work? Pauper is for assholes. <laughs> it is, but it's... Uh, but that it's being said, cool, like, most, yeah, like, cool... like most formats, I have two decks in it. <laughs> right. Like... <laughs> Um, any any format I play, I with the exception of EDH, where I have about sixty decks right now, um, I I always try to have two standard decks, at least two modern decks. I have two legacy decks. I have two pauper decks. I have mono green Stompy for pauper, which is just dumb dumb quick creatures, rancors, and you just turn cards sideways and ask if you won and if you didn't you play more cards and you turn cards sideways and you ask if you won again and then they sigh and go yeah you got me Um, (laughs) the other the other one i have and i always default to like one deck that requires thought and then one deck that is just idiot proof so i can play it but the uh the tron deck or not tron uh affinity deck which in pauper it's the like only true affinity which is kind of nice because the affinity cards are all legal there. So you can run the artifact lands and turn one, you can drop, you know, an artifact land to zero drop like baubles and then lay a frogmite or something. Or, you know, cast cast your one drop artifact and then play a frogmite for free and then another frogmite for free and then turn two, play the big four drop mirror thing that has affinity. Um, but that's, it's, it's a fun format it's an eternal format. It's not supported by wizards at all, and it's such a pain in the ass when you're looking for absurd commons that were only printed in Judgment, but they're a sideboard staple in Pauper. So now this stupid card is like three dollars and impossible to find. I don't know. I, I I like the format, but it's there's no money in it at all, which. Honestly, we we do have to admit that as as Magic players, we are always concerned about the value of our decks, the value of our cards, the resale value of anything that we have in our collections for its potential. That's how we that's how we immediately value if a you know if you get a booster pack, if it was worth it, did the card pay for itself with its value? Pauper cards have no value other than Pauper, which isn't a which isn't a supported format in Wizards. They don't have any intention of ever supporting it, and you need to find other people who have this, you know, esoteric little, oh, do you have a Pauper deck? What the hell's Pauper? And then you move on with your life. It's, it's basically Brawl if Brawl had become a thing. Like, that's how I view it. It's, they tried something, and it worked, but now everyone who plays it already has all the decks they're going to ever want to play. There's a guy from uh, Sheboygan who comes up, like, he's come up to the store like two or three times now. And he literally has one of every single deck in the meta for Pauper. Because it was cheap. And he did it right away. So now he is a one-man tournament. And he always looks for Pauper players. And just goes, oh, you want to play? Don't worry. You can pick any one of my decks and just run it. I just need somebody to play with. <laughs> and it's just so like, and then it's, he always it's endearing the... and sad and like something I strive to do someday. <laughs> <laughs> Take that, nerd! Yeah, I wanna I wanna be that guy who's like, hey, I need eight people who want to play Magic. You don't have to have any of the cards. I'm going to supply everything. 
but that's a board game, and he doesn't acknowledge it as a board game at this point. <laughs> Good, but no, I pop. It's it's a great format. It's fun. I like the idea behind it. It's just super annoying from a financial standpoint and from somebody who's trying to collect all the cards that they need for it because it's arbitrary value assigned to otherwise garbage cards. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Teej, take yes, us to sir. our next one. Tell us about booster drafting because you're the king of booster drafting. Booster draft? <laughs> I've never lost a booster <laughs> drafting. <laughs> no, but remember when you made the mono blue? <laughs> yep. Hell Won yeah. that too. Yeah, you did. Um, booster drafting is also a pet format of mine. Um, this one, you come in with zero cards. You don't have to have a collection or anything. You just need to know what you're doing. Uh, you are given three booster packs, and all you're doing is opening the pack, choosing one card from it, and passing the rest to the person next to you. The person on the other side of you is going to give you some cards that they didn't choose. You're going to choose one of those and pass them on. Eventually, you're going to have 45 cards, most of which you've picked yourself. Then you're going to take those cards and you're going to build a minimum 40-card deck. And then you're going to play your 40-card deck against other players' 40-card decks. Excuse me. Um... You did include. You, you did forget to include one important note. It's nowhere in the rules, but it, well, it happens. Well, I wasn't talking yet. Hang on. But... It happens at every single draft I've ever been to. You are required to complain after every single pick from your booster pack. <laughs> I have never been to a draft where I didn't hear this pack was garbage as they like slam down their you know pack one pick one. And then pass the pack to the player and go, yeah, enjoy that crap. Like, every single time. But yeah, uh, you get a sideboard. Uh, your sideboard is everything that's not in your main deck. Um, but yeah, I mean, Booster Draft, to me, is extremely appealing because uh, it, it, it tests both your deck-building skills and your gameplay. Uh, you need to learn how to evaluate cards pretty well. You evaluate cards in a draft differently than you would evaluate them in Standard or in uh, EDH. Um, you need to know what cards to pick. You need to know uh, when to pick those cards. You need to evaluate if there's more than one card in a pack you want, what are the chances that the that other card you want is going to come back to you? Because normally you're going to have eight people. Ideally, I should say, you're going to have eight people. Um, and you just need to plan it out. And then you need to build with what you have. And then you need to uh, uh, play very well with what you have. There's a lot of different steps in drafting that really comes together and makes magic a really good experience um i mean that's 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 pretty much it really i mean there's not much uh uh else to go on right now the drafting the standard drafting format and standard as in regular not standard as in format wise but right now we're in guilds of ravnica so you're gonna get three packs of guilds of ravnica to draft with um, right now we're, we are 
in a time where there are only big sets, there are no small sets anymore, so you're only going to get uh, three boosters from one set, but there were times in the past when you would get one booster from a big set and two boosters from a smaller set within that, uh, within that set, or two of the small one or one of the big one, and um, lots of different ways, but... Uh, Right now, you just get three packs of the same set, and you build a card from it, or you build a deck from it. That's why it's called limited format. I was going to say, and is, I'm, br- yeah. I'm glad you brought that up, because I, I just had to look that up and confirm for when uh, Ravnica Allegiance comes out, whether or not it was all three Allegiance packs, or if they were doing the like two and one of yesteryear. So yeah, that's actually a good segue into uh, the other, I guess the other half um, of the two major pieces of limited play would be uh, sealed. So instead of everybody sitting at a table and passing their packs around when you're when you're playing in a sealed event, you're going to get six booster packs, um, you know, and then that's what you get to build your 40 card deck from. Um, so this is the kind of event you show up to put down your money you get your six packs you sit down and you're building a 40 card deck um again you know you're restricted to this to the usual um four copies of any card if uh, other than commons in that small of a pool you're not going to get four copies um you know so you don't have to worry about that um but it's it's much the same like teach said uh because it's a limited format um the the sealed format also challenges your deck building skills as well as your ability to kind of read read the meta and know the people that that you're playing with um you know if you are familiar enough with some of the people at your lgs then maybe you know okay well this is the burn guy over here so i need to be wary of that or you know um in Guilds of Ravnica, you know, well, this guy here, he he plays Dimir, so I know there's going to be some surveil, and he's going to be trying to mill if he can. So you know, you want to, you kind of want to know the meta, um, know the people you're playing if you can, and then do your best to think about that when you're creating your deck in your sideboard, um, because again, your resources are limited to whatever you pull from the six booster packs you bought um, to sit down and play with. Do you you prefer draft over sealed, right, Teach? I prefer draft over sealed because I like being more or less in control of the cards that I'm getting. There's certainly more decision processes in draft than in sealed because in sealed you you have only what you open. In draft you have what you chose to take before giving those cards to somebody else. Well, and if you're it's almost like when you're if you're playing poker or something and you're trying to count cards um, in in a certain way if you're smart enough and you and you pay enough attention you can kind of see from what you're passing on to people and what you're actually getting back you know five six seven picks later what it looks like other people might be playing now you have no idea you know if it's player one two or three taking those cards necessarily um, but you know you can get a feel for what is what is being passed around the table and making its way back to you and um, what's kind of being picked over by the time it gets to you. Yeah. So there's something to be said for that too. Uh, So I guess there's not a heck of a lot more to go over as far as limited goes. Limited's a lot of fun. Um, 
the discussion it's, on it, I it's guess, is kind of limited. Done just, it's primarily done just for pre-releases and releases of sets. I don't know if you mentioned that. Right. Yep, yep. Or, I mean, if you've got enough... Say you've got three, four people or, you know, hell, even nine, ten people who are sitting around and want to play on the weekend. Hey, do you guys want to get a draft in? It's a really easy, it's a, you know, it's only a couple bucks to get a draft in. Um, and it's a ton No, of I'm fun. saying sealed. Oh, sealed. I see. Sorry. Uh, yeah, sealed specifically, exactly. Draft you can pick up and do anytime, anywhere. But sealed, yeah, it's usually, like you said, pre-release events and things like that. Um, the next format is one that I actually hadn't heard of until <laughs> Schnell... We were talking about what to discuss in this episode, and Chanel said, oh, we got to cover this. Uh, so, Rainbow Stairwell. Uh, Chanel, what is it? <laughs> Rainbow Stairwell is a format of magic. It's a 60-card singleton that we stumbled along or stumbled across uh, a couple of years ago. I don't know who made it or where they came from or what weird mental illness they had, but I thank them <laughs> for it. Because Rainbow Stairwell is a deck that is exactly 60 cards with six cards of each color and six artifacts or colorless cards. They've amended that now. Um, but those six cards of those, of those colors, you have to have a CMC 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. So you have to go... Red, what is a one-drop red that I can, can, can include in my deck? Well, do you want Rampaging Goblin? Do you want Lightning Bolt? Do you want, you know, this, that, or the other thing? It is super decision-intensive for deck construction, and because of how absurdly limited it is, there's no ban list, and it's anything goes as long as you only have one one-drop red card one two drop red card one one drop white card so it's a lot of people arguing about well what's the best one one cost white spell what's the one like one drop black spell and anytime you have just these incredibly restricted formats that aren't going to include like you know play sets of things or just you don't need a massive mana base, or you can't have a massive mana base in Rainbow Stairwell just because of the, the deck-building restrictions. It becomes accessible to a lot of players who have collections of cards or who have a couple of bucks to throw at, like, weird one-ofs. And the games we've played are reminiscent of an old format that nobody plays anymore because it kind of died off called 250 and 250 was a format where you had to have at least 20 cards of every color in your deck and your deck had to be a minimum of 250 cards 250 is what was around before edh became a thing in like 2004 2005 it finally died off and things things transitioned maybe a little after that because it might have been in college but anyway yeah, Rainbow Stairwell, we stumbled across when we just uh, looked up a random Wikipedia list of what are all the formats of Magic, and we were expecting to find six or seven, not like an entire page of entries, and Rainbow Stairwell being named Rainbow Stairwell immediately jumped out at us because of how ridiculous it sounded and how absurd it is, but it is some of the most fun games of magic i've ever had and it, the the fun part starts with deck construction and ends with going that was an absurd game let's try again <laughs> yeah i've i tried uh uh well i tried uh 250 once that didn't go well for me <laughs> uh 
because that was that was that was just you know random Lorwyn cards I had laying around. I have two hundred and fifty cards. Let's put them together. <laughs> yeah. Um, when when two fifty also... what sorry when two fifty was popular and like in its heyday, everyone had play sets of dual lands, and dual lands were only like twenty bucks a piece at the high end, so it was reasonable. Yeah. Uh, Rainbow Stairwell, on the other hand, I tried that once too. Um, I've only ever played it with a buddy of mine because we were the only two that I found this and I thought it would sounded fun and he thought it sounded fun and we played it. We built decks and we played and it was fun. Um, I would definitely play it again. Uh, so I don't have many, or I should, <laughs> I don't have many experience with Rainbow Stairwell. But I have some. I think it's. I think it sounds like a blast, and I, that's something I would like to do more of. Um, it sounds like a good challenge, right? It sounds fun. Yeah, yeah. I've never tried Anything. to build a deck for the format, but I'd I'd like to because it's a neat. I don't know. Sounds like like you said a, a neat challenge. It sounds it sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, it becomes a much of, it becomes as much of an intellectual exercise building the deck as playing it, which is great. Uh, all right, so let's go on then from Rainbow Stairwell to uh, the last two formats we're going to cover here are going to be uh, multiplayer formats. So, uh, Tej, lead us off. Just give us a quick in, um, overview. What is Two-Headed Giant? Two-Headed Giant is a team. It's you and a friend. Uh, you get a combined life total, uh, which starts at a number depending on the format you're playing it in. You can play... Uh, construct. You can play like sixty card uh, two at a giant. You can play limited two at a giant, which is pretty fun and where most of my experience comes in. You can also play uh, EDH two at a giant. Um, but you share a life total. Uh, your but you don't share your resources. Your mana is yours, and your creatures are yours. Your hand is yours. But you can look at each other's hands and uh, discuss things, discuss strategy, and. You attack at once, you uh, defend as a team, um, you cast spells, you, you share main phase, so you won't necessarily cast spells at the same time, technically, uh, but Twitter Giant is a, a, a multiplayer, but it's, it's, it's team. You've got, you've got a teammate, and that's something that um, I'm not an expert on yet i've been playing two at a giant for a number of years and it's just something i haven't gotten the hang of uh my most of my experience comes from sealed two at a giant where we get a certain number of boosters oh excuse me ah you can cut that yawn out that's fine uh you get a certain number of boosters to divide up between the two of you and you need to build two good decks from them if you want to win um and as opposed to regular limited, it's best one out of one instead of best two out of three. Um, and the deck building is something that uh, they do, yes. Uh, but deck building is is di it's it's different uh, in two at a giant than it is for sealed or for limited because you have to take your teammate into consideration. Uh, certain cards get a lot better in two at a giant than others because certain cards affect each opponent 
as opposed to target opponent, and suddenly your effects will essentially double if you have things that do things to each opponent or each player, that sort of thing. Um, those cards really shoot up in value, uh, not monetarily, of course, but in in game-wise. Um, yeah, Two-Headed Giant is, uh, it's, it's fun if you like playing cooperative, if you like playing on a team, if, you, uh, if you're not a lone wolf like me. Um, yeah, Two-Headed Giant. And I mean, that's kind of what, you know, Battle Bond itself had, did have some stuff for Commander in it, but I mean, there was stuff purposely for Two-Headed Giant. I mean, they introduced, you know, there were Commanders that had the partner idea before, but was it called... Is it called partner on like spells and stuff where someone else can help you pay the casting cost? Assist. That was Bond. Assist was Assist. the keyword in Battlebond. Not that, partner. Uh, Assist. Yeah. Other and it wasn't just your partner. It was anyone who wanted anyone. to could have uh, anyone. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Anyone could pay mana towards your spells, and it was it was intended with uh, partners in mind, but it could be used as a politicking maneuver. Right, so it EDH kind of game. had that cross appeal between, you know, two headed giant or EDH. Um, it could be used either way. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, and then the other multiplayer format that's uh, pretty popular is Arch Enemy. So Arch Enemy, I guess, in ways is similar to, but is also quite different from uh, two headed giant. Rather than um, two teams of two people going against each other you've got one person who is the arch enemy and a team of usually three uh who are playing together against the arch enemy uh the arch enemy has an inflated life total and they also have their own special deck of cards uh which is called the scheme deck so at the beginning of their upkeep they put a scheme in motion so they flip over the top card of the scheme deck and whatever that says um takes precedence for that turn so maybe they get to create tokens or maybe they get to take over creatures or maybe you have to lose life or sacrifice things or whatever it's the idea of the scheme is to give the arch enemy a bit of an advantage because they are playing against um three other people so that typically is played with um you know 60 card decks you don't have to play with three people the you know, you could play Arch Enemy with two people, four people against the Arch Enemy, um, you know, whatever. Wizards has created specific Arch Enemy products. Um, Arch Enemy was the first, and then there was the uh, recent one, or I should say the, the most recent one is um, Arch Enemy Nicol Bolas, where uh, players take on the roles of Chandra, Nissa, and Gideon from the Gatewatch, and they are taking on, uh, believe it or not, Nicol Bolas, uh, who is the Arch Enemy and who gets the scheme deck. I don't, I've played, I, I think I've played with the scheme deck before from the first Arch Enemy, but I've played more often and certainly most recently uh, with the Nicobolus Arch Enemy, and I, I love, I love the format. Um, I'm, you know, I'll throw that out there right now. We haven't really transitioned to that part yet, but I, I think Arch Enemy is an awesome idea. It changes the game up um, in a way that I think kind of makes especially when you're looking at um you know nicobolus like it kind of gives him that that op feel that he is the you know the most powerful planeswalker out there um and he's got all these you know machinations that he's running behind the scenes and trying to manipulate 
um, the plane and the multiverse and anything he can and uh, bend it to his will. So I think it was a really cool setup specifically for that format. Uh, although just arch enemy in general is, is also really cool. Um, somebody else just drew me a pair of boobs, um, in the Google doc. So, so that's hot. Um, I don't know. Is that a upside down Pac-Man? Is it supposed to be, I mean, can you say vagina on the internet? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> So not on this family friendly cast. Oh no, that's Zoidberg. Look at that. That's beautiful. I uh I took that way too dirty. Um <laughs> anyway, so yeah, now that we kind of covered m- the most popular played formats, uh let's talk about which ones we like the least. Um we started out with Schnell leading us off. So Teach, why don't you tell us what your tell us what your two least favorite formats are and why? Uh, I feel like uh, this is hmm, kind of a loaded question a little bit. Uh, I have... You can plead the fifth my, if you have to. One, two, no, I mean... One, two, three, four, least, fifth. Least favorite, um, standard would be one. Uh, because my I've had a really good experience in standard with that uh, Warp World deck I was telling you guys about. Heck yeah, Warp um, World High Mind. Back when I didn't care about winning so much, and, and now that I'm better at the game and I wanted to be competitive, and I finally took the time and spent the money to build a standard deck, which, granted, did last me for, I think, well over a year before they banned it. But the simple fact that they banned it, uh, and that they had been going pretty ban-heavy for a while up until that point... It just made me it made me lose interest in rotating formats, honestly. Um, so maybe I'll get back into it one day. Uh, but right now, I've been, you know, putting most of my effort into uh, EDH, and I'm having a blast doing that. And I would rather play something that I'm going to have fun doing than uh, put money and resources into something that. Um, is gonna is gonna rotate and I have to change out in a number of months, so I would say standard is my least favorite format. Um, and then of the other ones that we've discussed that I've played, uh, that are relevant, I should say, because I'm not going to include two fifty on this. Um, I'm gonna say uh, I just forgot what it was now. I forgot the name of it. Not draft. Sealed. Sealed, yes. Sealed. I'm not saying that because I don't like sealed. I like... I will play limited over constructed any day, but I'm never excited to play sealed because I don't have control over what I open. And then I become that guy slamming packs down and saying, this pack is garbage. So that's why Chanel was telling us about those guys before. It's you all along. (laughs) <laughs> i'm guilty of it i'm guilty of it sometimes i think everybody um, is to some degree at some point you know you're whether you're as vocal about it or not you're still you know pissed about yeah. something you know yeah so i'm gonna so i'm gonna throw a, a sealed in there but with an asterisk not it's a least favorite not because i don't like doing it and i don't have fun doing it but of the things that we've discussed that are relevant Sealed is low on the list of things that I would want to do. Of your favorites, it is the least. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Uh, Chanel, what about you? What are your two least favorite formats? Uh, 
Um, going through, again, limiting it to the ones that we've discussed, Legacy is probably my least favorite just because, again, I have two decks in it. So it's not... I'm not immediately going to dis discount it because it's expensive because I have two full decks and I have two decent decks in it. I don't like it because of the psychological aspects of the game where it's so much of you need to do all of your homework. I like magic when it boils down to based on what I've seen and my understanding of the rules, I should be able to do well in a game knowing my deck. In Vintage, you have to know your deck, and you have to know every other deck that somebody could be playing. And there are too many guys who will just immediately dismiss you based on your deck choice, and they will know your deck because of the way the meta works. After, like, the first two turns of the game, they know exactly what you're playing and how to counter you. So I don't want to have to sit there and do all of the research and grind and do everything to get to the point where I can be competitive in it. I would much rather play something fun because magic is a game and games should be fun. I totally agree with you. Me too. Um, that being said, winning so, is fun and it does require work, but you know, I don't well, want right. to do all, all of the work to, to, to win. Right. I totally agree. So, Nelson, what are your least favorite formats? Um, my least favorite formats, I would... I'm I'm gonna give Brawl an honorable mention because I've never played it, um, so I can't <laughs> I can't really give it judgment. However, what's Brawl? It doesn't, you know, it doesn't have that uh, that that shine for me, I guess. But I would say um, number one, probably Vintage, uh, for the same reasons Chanel was saying. I just a um, I I'm not I'm not afraid to um, invest in my hobbies and Magic being one of them, but you you have to invest heavily um if you haven't been collecting heavily for the last you know 25 years and also like chanel was saying in a format like that you know people are going to know two three turns into the game what you're playing and they're going to know how to beat you and if you if you don't have resources like someone else might have then you don't really have a prayer the, the i guess what i'm saying is the playing field isn't as level in other formats as i would well and with vintage they're probably gonna know what you're playing turn one and they've probably beaten you already exactly like exactly turn one turn two the game is yeah vintage vintage is a fencing match where it's just whoever strikes first wins yep uh, it, that's a really that's a really good way of putting it and when i i <laughs> Let's put it this way. I lose a lot when I play Magic, uh, but I have a blast when I play. If I didn't, I wouldn't have been playing it off and on since 4th edition came out. Um, and really, the only times I ever got further away from the game were more because of what was going on in my personal life at the time, whether it was, okay, I, you know, I'm really need to focus on school and i'm absolutely hurting for money and i cannot i cannot afford to to put money into the game right now um you know but i i hung on to stuff and i and i came back to it and i always i always came back to it and i always will come back to it um i hope i'm at a point in my life now where i don't have to worry about leaving it again um but 
I, I play magic for fun and winning, you know, like you said, you know, winning is fun. Um, but it's also not everything to me. So vintage is just a little too, a little too cutthroat for me. And I guess, um, the other format I would say that I like, um, I would probably have to say standard would be number two on my list of least favorite formats. And that's just because, um, that's no fault of, you know, wizards or the game or, or anybody else. It's just my, my deck building skills are just not up to par with everybody else's. And I don't keep up with the meta like other people do. So to be competitive and standard, you kind of have to know what the meta is, what other people are doing, and you have to be able to build a competent deck. Now I can go and net deck and I can build, you know, I can go buy singles and I can copy somebody else's deck, but I also try to build stuff for my own. So a lot of times I'm building stuff that, you know, someone, someone else might be like, well, you know, that's just janky. That's stupid. Well, for me, it's like, I don't know. I'm just trying to try, man. You know? Um, so <laughs> trying to try, just, just trying to try. Um, so, so yeah, I, I guess. And the reason I pick standard for that rather than say limited or, you know, the, the, the limited format like sealed or drafting is just because at least at that point, everybody's on the same playing field. Um, and it's a little more even and randomized as opposed to, well, everybody's already bringing their constructed product to this, to this match. Right. Um, so, and that's not to say, I think these formats are bad. It's just, you know, they're my least favorite to play. Um, so yeah, that being said, let's pivot now. Go back up um, the order here, and Teach, what are your what are your two favorite formats? Oh well, we've already discussed that, haven't we? Yeah, uh, I'm a big fan of Commander, and I'm a big fan of Draft. Yeah, you are. I'll play both of those formats all day, every day. Do you have a favorite, or does it kind of depend on your mood or like who you're around? Um, I think I would slightly prefer draft over EDH, um, just because of the, the variance. There's a lot of skill involved there. Um, I'm not saying that there's not skill involved in EDH, of course, but I mean, yes, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of moving pieces. The opening of the cards, making decisions of what you want to pick, uh, uh, making decisions of what you want to play. I really, really like that. So, uh, drafting over EDH, both tattoo though, both super close. All right, uh, Chanel. What about you? What are your two favorite formats? Um, I'm gonna do some overlap, and then I'm gonna start a fight with you guys because I'm gonna say drafting because I love opening booster packs, and if I can open up cards and then immediately start playing with those cards, it's wonderful. It's a lot of fun. Yes, it costs money every single time you want to play, which sucks compared to, hey, buy your deck and then you can play it as many times as you want. So that's a little iffy. But Standard will probably be my next next up as far as favorite because if it weren't for Standard Format, we wouldn't have the cards we have for Draft and EDH and Modern and everything else. And... Drafting ties in so well with standard that it makes it more financially reasonable to do both. You draft and then you can get the cards 
play your draft deck, maybe win a few more packs, and you're winning standard legal cards if you're doing it right. So then all you have to do is maybe pick up one more copy of this or two more copies of that, and then you can start playing around with a standard deck. Standard is great, in my opinion, because it rotates, and it keeps things fresh, and it keeps people constantly looking for the best combination of cards. It's that limited, like, yeah, you're limited to the last two years, generally, of cards, but I think it would get stale otherwise. And Standard, again, is where you get all the cards you get for all the other formats of Magic. Modern and EDH and all those are just leftovers from standard in my opinion so to hell with both of you guys for for picking standard as you know your least favorites you're doing it wrong i think that's fair i mean (laughs) yeah i mean you, you make good arguments and it's just you know i i can't i can't argue with what you're saying um you should that's why i'm saying it to start an argument but your points are so good they're the okay. best points ever. Damn it. Um <laughs> uh, Yeah, I guess my two favorite formats, uh number one is EDH. I think it's just a ton of fun. There's a I feel like there's more variance. Um like, yeah, there are some commanders that are way overplayed, um, you know, as opposed to others. But I also think that it's really cool that since it's an eternal format you can go way, 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 way back and see commanders that you might not have seen since they were printed, um, you know, way back when. Um, I think about, you know, EDH and the fact that it's Elder Dragon Highlander and it's based off the Elder Dragons. And I I think about, you know, how cool, uh, obviously the dragons were reprinted in M19. Well, I shouldn't say reprinted because they're... the names are the same but their abilities are different um but that original artwork that that you know chromium had and um vivictus and you know nicol bolas sitting there in his chair reading a book and you know i just think about the history of it and i just i love the variation i love that it's a hundred card deck i love the singleton idea um i i really love everything about edh so that's my number one um I guess my number two kind of depends on who I'm with and and what my mood is at that time. Uh, I this is probably going to be kind of out of the out of the box here as far as like uh, formats and how common they are. At least what you see. Uh, I just noticed the 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 note here that attracts it is a bitch. Um, she is, but she's also fantastic. Um, I I love Arch Enemy as well. Uh, you know, it's fun to take out Arch Enemy because everybody wants to be the Arch Enemy. So we end up, um, you know, well, it used to be you roll to see who's the Arch Enemy. But, um, but now, you know, throwing a shameless plug here for our other podcast, Beard Gamers. Uh, Chanel, you created a game. It's literally called Who's Going First. And it's a card game, 52-card deck, all about, you know, it's everything is a different mini game to see who goes first so that's how we do it um because everybody wants to be the arch enemy you want to play with the available for purchase at the game Um, sure is uh so so yeah i mean i would say i would say arch enemy i just magic to me i like 
I like one one player, or I shouldn't say one player. That sounds like single. One v one is fun, but to me, Magic started out as 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 a as a way for a bunch of people to play a game together, and that's kind of the way it's been over time. So I guess the formats that I'm drawn to the most, um, as opposed to others, are the formats that you can play that are geared toward more than just one v one. So. It's it's always had a special place in my heart as as a social game, um, and that's just you know, are you it, yeah right? It's a magical gathering exactly. Um, so you know, that's that's to me at its core what magic is. That's how I have the most fun playing magic. So my favorite formats are anything that get more than just um, you know one v one going. Um, I want to see I want to see group play gives it a little more dynamic, makes it a little more fun, and that's why Arch Enemy and EDH are probably my my favorite formats. Uh, that being said... <laughs> oh, man, i got to stop reading this Google Doc that's living in front of me. Um, so that being said, is there any anything else either of you guys want to say about uh, any format or, you know, things you like, things you don't like? <laughs> Magic is pretty much great all around. Yeah, it is. I mean, um, it's, my, it's my favorite game ever. I I don't think there's a better a better game um, I, than Magic. I will I will throw out the little asterisk there. Uh, we we discussed two headed giant and arch enemy. Um, those are technically formats that can be tacked on to other formats and not generally standalone. True. And I'm a big fan of the formats that you can tack on to other formats, including Arch Enemy, but also Plane Chase and Vanguard, the big card formats. Ooh, Vanguard's fun. Yeah, I've played that a few times uh, at at your store. And Vanguard, I totally forgot about those. Um, yeah. Vanguards are great, too. Uh, all right, yeah. So, I mean, if no one else has anything to add, uh, I guess that wraps it up for our format discussion. Um, going forward, like I said, we'll probably do a deep dive into a few select um, formats, uh, ones that we want to um, expound on a bit. You know, uh, be easy to do standard. We'll probably do EDH, uh, maybe a little modern dive, and and see where we go from there. Uh, in the meantime, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Podbean, uh, or drop us a line at. Uh, homebrewmagicmke at gmail.com and you can find us on our online communities on Facebook and Instagram at homebrewmagic until next time thank you for listening and we will see you in a week